0: This is Data Plus Love. Here today with Kate Shaw. Kate is a friend of mine who I've known on Twitter for quite some time uh, and we really got to know each other a lot better this year at TableauCon. We spent several days together, uh, her, me, and uh, my friend from work David Kelly. Faded in and out a lot uh, with some other friends in the mix. Uh, Kate is from Montana. She is the leader of the Big Sky Tug and welcome to the show Kate. How are you today?
1: I'm doing good, Zach. How are you?
0: I'm doing spectacular. How are things up in Montana right now?
1: Uh, you know, they're pretty snowy. We got probably about a foot of snow last week and it's been kind of frigid, although I will say today hasn't been too bad. So, depends if you like the snow.
0: I mean, I live in the South, so our, our concept of snow is entirely different. Um, Memphis sees probably one inch of snow a year. Oh. and because of that and because they know that there's no infrastructure to deal with snow. So if we get even the slightest warning of snow, all the schools start shutting down all the government services and any employer that's smart shuts down. Um, but there are those that are like really, uh, like eye of the tiger and go for it anyway. And it just becomes a nightmare because people don't know how to drive on anything here. Um, much less a tiny accumulation of snow. So and uh, I, you'd I mean, be in
1: trouble
0: here. I mean, yes, yes, no <laughs> doubt. I mean, my dad taught me how to drive on snow. My dad's from Pennsylvania. I lived in Pennsylvania when I was young, so he would make me go out and practice in parking lots. But even then, that's in like an inch of snow. So, you <laughs> know, lots of donuts and stuff like that. But the problem isn't if you can drive on snow here. The problem is that even if you can, there's another 10,000 people on the road that can't. Right, right. <laughs> So it becomes Thunderdome.
1: I, I mean, the same can be said for here, though, too. Like, they're, it's quite shocking how few people know how to drive in the snow, even though they live here.
0: <laughs> That's so, but they do it anyway, they have to. I mean, yeah. otherwise you couldn't survive.
1: Yeah, and nothing closes. I mean, we could get a foot of snow tonight and everything would be open tomorrow. It's, it's actually pretty sad. We look forward to snow days and we never get snow days. So it's pretty depressing.
0: So it's like Narnia. It's like always winter and never Christmas.
1: Yeah. Like I love snow around Christmas, but it seems like we have snow for nine out of the 12 months of the year. So you sort of get sick of snow.
0: My girls always keep hoping for a white Christmas. And I just don't have the heart to tell them, guys, you live in the South. It's not going to happen. You know, adjust your expectations.
1: Yeah. You need to take a vacation for a white Christmas one of these years.
0: Well, I mean, last Thanksgiving we went to Hawaii. It was my... My, my wife's 10th anniversary. So naturally we took children with us uh, to the most beautiful place on earth. Um, and it turned out to be amazing. And now I just want to avoid all family on all holidays and go someplace tropical and eat quesadillas by a pool.
1: You know, there's something to be said about that. I could do that, always.
0: <laughs> so um, in a, for a transparency's sake, we're actually recording this at the beginning of December. I'm recording several of these in a row before we start releasing. Because there's nothing worse than like a new podcast coming out and there being huge gaps between recording because the person's new to recording podcasts or, you know, is trying to get guests and that sort of thing. I'm not super worried about guests. I have lots of people that I know that would be happy to do this. Um, But you're a guinea pig. So that's exciting, right?
1: It's super exciting because there's no pressure on me. (laughs)
0: No, there's no pressure at all. I mean, it's not like the entire success of this podcast will hinge on you because people listen to the first episode and be disappointed and then come back in the second episode and maybe more disappointed.
1: I, I guess I could go either way. Am I the second official podcast?
0: You're the second official podcast. At least mm-hmm. you're the second one being recorded. I mean, I don't think air order really matters too much when you have several in a row, but
1: True. But I guess it could go either way. If someone's before me, you know, it could only go up or vice versa where someone before me could do really well and I could just screw it all up for you.
0: That's true. See, I haven't told you how good the first one was.
1: (laughs) You should have put the pressure on.
0: Because I mean, it was it was pretty good.
1: Phenomenal. It was the best ever.
0: For those of you listening at home, you know how good it was and you don't Kate has no idea. So yeah, that's that's an exciting situation for you and not so much for her.
1: It really it's kind of tough. So we'll just pretend that the first one was awful and I'm going to be better.
0: That's, that's a great attitude to have. So I know you like to travel and I know living in Montana uh, every day is traveling because it's long distances between everything.
1: <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, it really is. We, you know, we measure our distance and the amount of time it takes to travel around here. Miles don't mean anything. So you could tell me something's 20 miles away and I will say it's 20 minutes away. Um, But it really, Montana is so big. It's, it's kind of demoralizing because it takes you half a day to get anywhere around here. Um, But I do love to travel. I hate winter. So I like to travel away from Montana, which is A little ironic that I live here still. I don't really know why I live here. I think we've decided that there's a lot of land and there's no people and it takes forever to get anywhere.
0: I mean, do you dislike people?
1: Um, It depends on the day. I probably shouldn't admit that because I do work in the public sector, though.
0: So So you dislike people. Okay. um...
1: (laughs) Yeah, I dislike people. (laughs)
0: So when you are traveling, what's your draw to travel to a particular place? Are you looking for different climates? Are you looking for like topology or sites or
1: Uh, food? it's It's been kind of a mixture for me. I, the only thing that I have in mind when I sort of choose a place is to go somewhere that a lot of people don't necessarily go to. So being from Montana, people go to Canada all the time. People go to Mexico and down to the Caribbean islands. They go to Spain and France, and those are sort of the hotspots. So I've sort of been the anti-Montana tourist and have gone to places that no one really thinks about. So I've been to Portugal, I've been to Curacao, and then my most recent was Norway and Iceland. So it's sort of against the grain, if you would
0: so that is actually a great tangent so you have a spectacular viz the sea turtles of curacao which is one of my favorite visits of yours and maybe one of my favorite visits in general um i'm not like a big sea turtle guy my wife is so she would definitely love it i'm not saying that like i'm anti-sea turtle that's not like a position is there like an anti-sea turtle like
1: anyway i I, I was just gonna ask you that i don't think you can be anti-sea turtle
0: I mean, someone's blazing the trail somewhere. Okay, Kate, let's not be close-minded.
1: Okay, open my mind. Someone is anti-sea turtle.
0: Okay, someone is highly offended by <laughs> your sea turtle viz. Um, but it's it's really spectacular. It's super visual, it's very poppy, and it's the kind of thing that draws in lay people, which is more and more appealing to me these days because so many of the visits that we see, oftentimes that we make or our friends make, Um, we respond really well to because we're very into like the genre of data viz, you know? Right. And this doesn't look like a lot of that. It looks like, um, an infographic. It looks very artsy. It's got photography in it. Some of which I think you took. Did you take some of these pictures?
1: Uh, yeah. So the picture right at the top is one of mine and then the two at the bottom.
0: Oh, wow. Those are great.
1: Yeah, I took those actually snorkeling with sea turtles go figure um so those sort of to back you up on that like when I first traveled I, I have all of these pictures taken for my trips and I got to thinking about sort of wanting to figure out a way to use them in a viz and for the longest time I had zero clue because how, you know, we're always taught not to include photography and pictures because it takes away from the viz. But uh, just sort of on a whim with Josh's feedback loop, I decided to go for it and uh, ended up using my own photography, which was really cool, actually.
0: That is really cool. I mean, it makes it that much more personal. And I think so many of these rules that we've sort of established as an industry um, there's a conversation going on about it on Twitter today um, between some of the authors of the Big Book of Dashboards, and some of these conventions are maybe very applicable to what we think of as dashboards, but not necessarily data viz as a whole, because data viz can be nearly anything. It can be art viz, it can be, you know, infographic, it can be you know business with line and bar, you know, it can be whatever, and I think it works really well for this particular piece because it draws people in with your initial, you know, uh, your title pops against the background and you've got this turtle And it. From there, it draws your eye down the page. And I think it's just a great intro.
1: Well, thank you. Um, So that one was, that was a tough one because I had created a viz as sort of a rough draft and threw it out to this feedback loop, sort of half complete. And it's like, these are my ideas, what do you think? And the feedback I got was phenomenal, not the place to go into everything I got, but I essentially sort of combined the two rough drafts that I had and threw this out there. But really the goal in this one was to make it so if you wanted to, you could print it and get the entire story just from looking at a print version of it without ever having to be on a computer. Um, So that was tough, but I, I think it, really worked out well to go against the grain of all of these standards that we're used to with bars and lines and go with a different route that people who aren't into data viz can completely understand it be drawn into it 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 really reminded me more of like magazine infographics that you see like in national geographic and stuff like that and but then those of us that are used to it and want to learn more can actually dig in because there are interactive pieces to it and so it was actually a really fun piece to create. And cherry on top was having my own photography in it. And, you know, having been snorkeling with sea turtles, it just adds that element of personalization, which we don't often get to do in visits, except in our public work. Um, so it just made it that much more fun and meaningful. And as you know, the more meaning something has in it, the better the end result is.
0: I mean, absolutely. That's a whole lot of my drive behind this podcast in the first place. I mean, for me with my public work, um, when I started narrowing the scope of my visits and rather than sort of taking all projects that I saw, because it's really easy. There's so many public projects available to participate in and it's fun because your friends are doing them. Uh, They're good opportunities, but it's not always something that you have a sort of draw to or relationship with. Right. So sometimes you produce something just to produce it rather than like, there's a story there you're interested in or the topic is, or you have a unique angle of seeing it. So Mm -hmm. I sort of started pulling back and being more deliberate and either hunting down data I wanted or making data I wanted and then going from there.
1: Yeah. And you can see it. I mean, I've told you this before where like this year I set myself this goal of doing every one of the makeover Mondays, which I've done, but there's such a stark difference in you know, just being handed a data set that you know nothing about and just doing something to finish it up and make it look better versus having more of a vested interest in what you're doing. So like, I know personally with the makeover Mondays, I just get started and get something out to get something out at the end of the day. But a lot of these other ones that actually have meaning, you spend time on it, you do the research, you get feedback from other people and really put a lot of time and effort into it. And it's very noticeable. I mean, I see that even in other people in the community, their makeover Monday stuff or, you know, random side projects versus something they're really interested in. So speaks volume.
0: I mean, absolutely. You're up to 80 public visits. I was looking at your portfolio earlier today, which is spectacular. And I mean, I mean this entirely as a friend and there's no disrespect at all. In the past week, you've released, I think, two visas right? You did the uh, Makeover Monday about sort of unions versus non-union workers. Yeah. And you released your uh, Cadence of Cocktails viz. And the two could not be further apart. Like um, your, your union viz is sort of a very standard bar chart, which is very expressive and it gets the point across entirely. But you can tell there's not like a lot of passion there. There's not a lot of drive behind it. Uh, you don't necessarily have like a real personal connection to it in any strong way but you definitely wanted to complete it anyway which everybody does right
1: yep
0: Um, canes of cocktails is spectacular it is it is so creative it's poppy it draws you in it makes you curious Um, it makes you uh, realize that people drink like mad during the winter except for mint juleps which no one drinks ever except during the kentucky derby
1: i know that it that just blew my mind i have to say like i thought it would be at least sort of popular but
0: i don't even know if it's popular then i just feel like people think they have to
1: that's probably the case because there really is zero search interest any other time of the year
0: so you got this from google trends is that correct yes So that's interesting. I've used Google Trends, just a passing curiosity, but I've never actually pulled down the data. Um, So that's really interesting that you were able to sort of come up with this uh, very rich data set. And from my understanding, I think you had a lot more you wanted to get out there, but sort of limited your scope.
1: Yeah. um, So I actually got this idea from the Rhythm of Food. Have you ever looked at that website? I haven't, no um so outside of this you should definitely check it out because it is phenomenal and it takes everything that i did in this cocktail viz to the max um so you can search for like anything and everything food and drink related um but i had stumbled across that after sarah bartlett had announced her iron quest topic for this month and uh, so at the conference kevin and i were joking that we have to keep our 100 percent record for iron quest so, I'd been on the hunt for food and drink uh, data, stumbled across the rhythm of food, and it just couldn't I couldn't get it out of my head. I wanted to figure out how to recreate it in Tableau and from that, I decided to focus on the drinks rather than the food and then, when you have such a rich data set, it's hard not to go down that rabbit hole and want to include anything and everything so some of my ideas had been to, you know, have a cocktail portion, have a portion on different types of wine because there has to be seasonality trends of red versus white and things like that. And then to include beers so that a user could really take their pick or look at their drink of choice. But when you're looking at 15 years of data broken out weekly for even, I think there's 21 cocktails in my viz that alone was a ton of data and being on public it doesn't run as well as i would want it to so at that point i knew i couldn't include everything i wanted to and decided just to focus on those those cocktails instead
0: no i mean you're right i mean as it is it's a bit laggy and that's not a limitation of your viz it's just a limitation of public you know it can only handle so much at a time right which makes you wonder how it's going to tackle some of these animations that we're going to see in upcoming releases of
1: You know, I have to say, just because you brought that up, I would be kind of intrigued to throw animations on just a portion of this cocktail viz. It'd be crazy. Run yearly. Oh, that'd be great. We'll see.
0: So um, in regards to uh, this particular Iron Quest, I actually almost uh, participated. I mean, I was intending to. I typically don't enter those kinds of things because honestly, I struggle with wrapping my head around sort of an iron viz type viz. Like sort of what the expectation is, because oftentimes with iron viz, it feels like entries are sort of a scrolly telling, Mm -hmm. which I think in terms of iron viz itself is a convention of uh, sort of the contest where in order to make the feeder, you want to show every single trick you can pull out. You want to maximize your space and sort of take advantage of all of that. And, uh, but then iron visit itself is like a a sprint. So it's like running a marathon to qualify for the 40 yard dash. Yeah. Um, so I'm never quite sure what I would need to do for these, but I had a particular idea. I was at a kid's birthday party and my friend Randy and I are drinking some cold brew and he looks at the back of the label and says, it says five times the caffeine of a Mountain Dew. And I just look at him and it's like, how do you know how much caffeine is in a Mountain Dew? And he says, I know all the stats on Mountain Dew. That's what I use as my basis for comparison. <laughs> and I mean, after I, I came back down from my mind being blown, like why does he have these memorized? I'm like that. There's a spectacular viz in there somewhere. than a Mountain Dew. So Very I I went on Pepsi's website and I started pulling down data on various drinks they had and Coke's website because I wanted to do like a radar chart overlay of Mountain Dew versus other beverages. The downside is in most of these beverages, first of all, you're looking at different measures of different quantities, milligrams versus grams, and you're having to normalize. And then you've got calories, which is on a totally different scale. So you're having to sort of take the maximum of any of these and adjust all the rest of them into whatever five to 10 points you need to Mm -hmm. uh, express your radar chart. But even then, there's not enough interesting stats on any of these. I mean, you could have like, sugar sodium caffeine and calories and mountain dew but there's no um fat there's no um there's no vitamins and then on something else there might be three other things and you know missing another force so you come up with really wonky uninteresting radar charts so about you know six hours into this project of data collection and assembly i just like i give up i mean the <laughs> idea was better than the than the execution but um yours it makes it so worth it
1: yeah i i was thrilled i do have to say with how it turned out um but i really can't take a whole lot of credit for actually creating this chart i i didn't do any of that piece i may have made it look good but (laughs) i i couldn't tell you the calculations behind it so if you want to know you just got to go download it
0: yeah i uh i just might because it looks mind blowing it looks like you're being sucked into like a black hole or being digitized into tron or something
1: yeah wouldn't that be kind of cool animations may make that even look better
0: i mean animations are gonna make everything look better the question is is if animations make stuff more sensible and i feel like there's definitely gonna be really awesome use cases but a lot of the stuff we see and probably all the stuff we produce if i'm frank about some of my own hackiness will uh will come out being cooler looking than it is functional and useful. Oh, totally. But, Especially you know.
1: at work, <laughs> because you know there's going to be that person that saw the animations at the conference and now just wanted in everything that you do.
0: I, I oh, know that's sure. on my end. We had a pact at work for a while not to mention the concept of paging to anyone because we knew as soon as someone saw paging and saw that you could make a line draw across the page or bars fill in every time, um, people would start asking for that. And all it does for the most part with a lot of users, unless you're sort of really dialed in, is it biases you towards the most recent data point instead of making you consider everything as a whole.
1: Right, you sort of forget about that first piece the when you hit play.
0: Oh yeah, because you're, you're always waiting to see what happens next. And not considering everything as a whole and looking for outliers, looking for oh, what's this odd point of curiosity here. This thing is, uh, you know, unexpected.
1: Yeah. The things that Tableau put in, it, it's super cool, but it kind of makes me as like an analyst and someone who designs dashboards at work all day, every day, kind of cringe at the same time. It was sort of like where they released, what is it? Like you can have 50 columns now in a table.
0: And yeah. I kind of want to uh... cry
1: when I heard that.
0: I mean, it's, it's, it's a tool, right? Like so many things they're trying to expand the toolbox to allow more capabilities. And in a skilled practitioner, all of these things will be amazing. And in an unskilled practitioner's hands, it can be, you know, Excel (laughs) all over again.
1: Just going back to where it all began.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, it's like, let's go back to our roots. Let's go back to Lotus.
1: Isn't that what everything's all about these days? (laughs)
0: oh man it's coming back like let's go uh that's like the vinyl equivalent of tableau let's go back to just super manual calculations in a tabular format yeah so the kids are into
1: whatever floats their boat these days i guess
0: so transitioning um that actually makes me think about the concept of adoption which is apropos because Tomorrow, you and I are going to be on a panel at the Fringe Festival, which will be in the past for anyone listening to this. So, hopefully, you have good memories of that and we weren't a train wreck. Um, But, in terms of like adoption of maybe data visualization and embracing data as a whole, um, where do you see that going uh, with some of your stuff that you're able to talk about? You know, do you have? Um, Trouble getting people to sort of embrace Tableau or what do you think is an obstacle that holds people back?
1: Um, I know in my role specifically, it's the funny thing is when people are worried about adoption, it's always with our end users and if they are going to enjoy more of a data visualization and learn from it rather than what they're used to in Excel And I sort of have the complete opposite issue in my role. Um, I actually have had more issues with our developers wanting to learn and embrace Tableau as a tool and something to be excited about. Um, So a lot of what I get at work is like complete bare minimum. It's like click a bar chart on show me and call it a day sort of thing, so. Um, in my role, it, it's kind of comical to be on an adoptions panel and being sort of that outlier, so to, so to speak, of um, having to worry about the people creating our dashboards rather than our end users.
0: I, I don't think you're far off there, though, because I think getting a tool is half the picture. So with Tableau, you're getting a really robust tool that can create really great, compelling stuff if used well. If sort of used at a basic level, it can create sort of just shovelware. And one of the obstacles is you can become super proficient at using Tableau. You can create advanced chart types, know all sorts of calculations. But if you're unable to sort of put together the visual storytelling component, the analogy I've used is it's like knowing everything about driving a car. Like you're perfect at braking, steering, all of that. But you're wholly unaware of the rules of the road. So you're like blasting through stop signs. You're cutting people off. You're driving a car perfectly. Like you're, you're operating all the mechanical aspects of it. Fine. But you're not doing it in a way that's doing what you want.
1: That's a fair assessment. I like that. I may have to use that. You can steal that. Um, yeah. I mean, we, so we've had Tableau. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I work for the state of Montana and we, are sort of centralized IT, if you will. Um, so other agencies can hire us to create their own dashboards, but they can also create their own if they want. Um, and internally, we have about 20 licenses and people know the basics, um, but we just, it. I kinda see it as like a makeover Monday every day of my life, because I never know really what's gonna get thrown out at me. Um, so I may have one day you know, the Department of Environmental Quality, ask for something and then tomorrow I've got the Legislative Finance Committee. So um, they definitely keep us on our toes with what we're doing. Um, hence why I've become really, really good at basic bar charts and line charts, because at the end of the day, that's what people want. Um, but a lot of it has been, you know, we've, we were sort of forced when we got Tableau and forcing anyone doesn't do anyone any good. So we have a lot of these employees that know the basics, but feel as though they were forced into this position and really just don't care enough to want to learn. And that's where like Tableau Public has sort of, if you will, saved my career, my life, not really my life, but um, it, it gives you that creative outlet, which is phenomenal and where you can develop those storytelling skills outside of where you have to meet deadlines and specific requirements and stuff like that. Does that make sense?
0: I think that absolutely makes sense. And I I wouldn't know you if not for that. So that's spectacular. Um, but I think like it's like taking the red pill in the matrix once you discover Tableau Public. I know for me, I didn't actually know it existed before I had made essentially my first public data visualization, which was a couple years ago. I did an M. Night Shyamalan viz um, based on Rotten Tomatoes stuff. And it's really just a business dashboard it's not spectacular but i was just curious about sort of the perceptions of the audience versus the critics which is something i've revisited quite often for various things um but once you discover that there is a place to put you know personal projects and that there are other people's personal projects um and that some of them are amazing and inspirational it really uh, just opens up a whole new door to you because you realize that tableau is not this business tool that you've been using it's just a blank canvas and it can be whatever you want it to be limited only by your skill and creativity.
1: Yeah. It's funny. Um, when I first started with Tableau and like everyone, you know, you, use show me and you use all the default color palettes and then someone happens to stumble across Tableau public. And I'm like, you're right. I can never make any of that. Cause they'll run into the gallery and the visit of the day and you're like, yeah, no, never. And then you actually get started and creating public visualizations. And it's like, oh, this isn't so bad. And it's not so intimidating. Um, granted I've had a lot of help with what I have put out there. I mean, the sea turtle viz had all sorts of feedback. My cocktail one, I know I had you take a look at it prior to publishing. So I couldn't do it without community members, but that's, that's the beauty of it, right? You learn so much from the people around you once you get sucked in.
0: And I, I heard people ask me, they've looked at some of my public work versus some of my work work, and they look so vastly different. And right. the question is like, how come you can do this, but this is what you do at work? And the question isn't so much like, why don't you make work stuff look like your public stuff? Um, when you create work stuff, it's an entirely different context. You're preaching to a different audience. You're trying to express stuff in a very clean uh, way that's sort of simpler but also you are bringing stuff from your public work back to it in the sense that by doing all those reps through public work, you're faster, you have new tricks, um, you've learned stuff that doesn't work. You know, hopefully you've learned some stuff that does work. And just because you're not doing sort of a pop arty thing, like you might do on a uh, public project, which might have a different, uh, intended audience, uh, doesn't mean you're not able to take the learnings of creating that uh, goofy pop arty thing and bring it back to the new business dashboard. Uh, that's hopefully going to wow a senior vice president or whatever.
1: That, that just kind of cracks me up. Can you imagine if I put my cocktail viz in front of the legislature?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, their legislature, I'm sure they would, they would love a cocktail viz. Uh, what do you think the legislature would order off your cocktail viz? Or is that uh, too far?
1: What would they order? I got to think about what's on there, I...
0: It is winter, so anything's fair game.
1: You know, I see them as probably more along the lines of, like, an old-fashioned,
0: maybe? I'm down with that. I like an old-fashioned.
1: Yeah, we'll go with that. I'll just pretend. So every time I have to meet with them, I'll just pretend that we're meeting over a round of old-fashions.
0: That's spectacular. I think if legislatures did drink old-fashions on the job, politics as a whole might be a whole lot more enjoyable for everyone. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, that's, that's just, we call that parliament. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, part parliament is Congress with an old fashioned.
1: We should propose that. Right.
0: You know, actually a uh, funny thing, Congress did used to have a congressional cocktail hour not too long ago. I mean, I'm talking like maybe 10 years ago. And as a result, I think that helps our relationships in politics more because when people who are in an adversarial relationship have to interact more in a casual way, it creates you know a sort of more recon, recognition. There we go of the humanity of each other. I mean, my wife's an attorney, so oftentimes she is working on the other side from other attorneys, but they all have very cordial relationships because they recognize, look, I'm doing a job, you're doing a job, we're both people and the more professional attorneys all treat other each other really well and are really social even though you're on the opposite side of a particular issue uh you have no sort of malice against each other so maybe you know let's bring back cocktail hours let's do that
1: it might benefit everyone actually i think so i mean even at our state level we we need that around montana state government too
0: You know, I I think so too. And, uh, I think, I think I'll have a dark and stormy Kate let's do that (laughs) coming right up. So, um, wrapping things up, is there anything you would like to promote? Is there anything you would like to uh, say to the community before we sign off today?
1: Oh, way to put me on the spot.
0: This whole thing has been you on the spot,
1: but this one was like a curveball. I have to actually open my mind and think about something. Um, I don't know that I have anything specific to say other than you know, to those people that are just getting started in Tableau, don't be afraid to you know, reach out to the community because I know you and I, it seems like we've known each other for forever and really just met at the conference. And I had that happen with so many other people that it goes to show that it's possible to build this entire network of people around you that are really only have your best interests at heart And even if you've never met them, it it has brought forth some of the best friendships and relationships that I ever thought was possible. But aside from that, you can learn so much from the Tableau community, uh, whether it's through Twitter, whether it's through publishing just to public. um, It really has opened my eyes to an entirely new world over the last year, which is really cool.
0: You know, I think that is the best possible note to sign off on. Thank you so much for coming on, Kate. I hope we do this again soon.
1: Yeah, thank you, Zach.
0: Data Plus Love is recorded and produced by Zach Bowders. Our music track is We Are Legends by Alex Stoner. My daddy's Batman. Hey, you're still here. Um, you're probably waiting for like the next podcast uh, to kick in, probably something better. Um, thanks for hanging on. Anyway, if you're picking up what we're putting down, uh, consider buying us a cup of coffee on ko-fi.com/slash d a t a p l u s l o v e.